to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's so good to be with you in worship on our first Sunday here in Lent. We had two wonderful Ash Wednesday services at noon at 7, 7 o'clock. If you missed it, it's online. You can... If you need it to really feel in the spirit of Lent, um, it was a special service. You can go check that out on the church website. I also want you to know that on Tuesday, February 27th at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary, we're going to have one of our healing and wholeness services. If this is something you need or somebody you know um, is going through a tough time, uh, tragedy, uh, sickness, illness, whatever it might be where they need a hand of healing, invite them to come to us. Scott Weimer is going to be preaching. It's going to be a magnificent service. And then I want you to know that this Saturday, or this Saturday is not true, this Sunday at uh, uh, February 25th at 4 p.m. in the sanctuary with, in partnership with Roswell Roots and Black History Month, we're hosting Jazz Vespers um, up in the sanctuary. It is a fantastic, I mean, you know, I, I get like hyperbolic about everything, but there's no better concert in all of Roswell than what's going to be here at 4 p.m. in the sanctuary uh, it's just so, it's so great. I mean, we're going to have Grammy-awarded uh, musicians, folks that have been playing in backing bands of, of artists you would know uh, under the direction of Dr. Uh, Dwight Andrews, so you're not going to want to miss it. Today we're kicking off the sermon series looking at seven great uh, prayers of the Christian tradition. We've put a prayer booklet together called Prayers We Pray that include all of these prayers. We're hoping you'd pick them up. Put them in your Bible, take it with you. Use it as a tool to grow and be directed in your prayer life. If you're anything like me, oftentimes you're rendered silent. You don't know what to say. And these prayers often help us pray, and they pray with us, with those saints down through the years. Today, our passage comes from Matthew 6, 9, verse 12. It's, um, it's the Lord's Prayer. And it is probably the foundation of all the other prayers we're going to study in our sermon series. So let us open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. Jesus says, Pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great prayer you taught us to pray. And now we're going to ask a question, why? Why this prayer? Why pray it in this way? What does it have to teach us about our lives and relationship with you, your relationship with the world? I pray in the next few moments we might answer some of those questions that might spur us on to grow as followers of you. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
I believe one of the most sophisticated disputations about the theology and practice of prayer in all of American cinema comes in the 2006 film, Talladega Nights, <laughs> The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. If you haven't seen the movie, there's this scene. It begins with Bobby, the Bobby family sitting around the dining room table preparing for dinner. And it's the NASCAR driver, Ricky's, it's his turn to say grace at the dinner table before anyone can eat. So they're surrounded by Domino's boxes and Taco Bell wrappers and KFC buckets and bottles of Coke. Ricky, you know, played by Will Ferrell expertly, folds his hands, closes his eyes, and begins to pray, saying, Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers in the South call you, Jesus. Now, Ricky goes on to thank baby Jesus for everything, from the food for his, and I quote, his red-hot smoking wife, Carly, he goes on and on until his red-hot smoking wife, Carly, objects to Ricky praying to baby Jesus. She says, don't you think it would be better to pray to adult Jesus? Ricky says, no. When I, it's my turn to say grace, I prefer to pray to baby Jesus because I prefer Christmas Jesus. <laughs> then in the long tradition of praying sports fans, Carly asks, Ricky, her race car driving husband, she says this, and I quote, to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. And after he continues on and on with his prayer, finally his wife says, Ricky, just end it. Please say amen so we can eat. Ricky can't be stopped, so he kind of begins again. He says, Okay, dear eight pounds, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly, but still omnipotent. <laughs> In this scene that goes on for five minutes, we see some of the key questions about prayer that are raised. Who should we pray to? What is it okay to pray for? What words should we use? How long should we pray for? And why do some of our prayers get answered and some don't get answered? If you ask most people, and I did a straw poll around the office, most people would say this is either their favorite scene in, their in the movie or their most memorable. Why? I Because it's so humorous and so funny because it raises Questions that most people have about prayer but are afraid to ask. I think it's funny because it asks questions that we're afraid to ever ask. It's good then that today we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. It's my conviction in the Lord's Prayer hidden within it are answers to our questions. All of the other prayers of the Christian tradition find their origin in this great prayer. And so the first question is, who should we pray to? In our passage today, Jesus says, 
Pray then in this way, our Father who art in heaven. Pray in this way, our Father. Jesus says we should address our prayers to our Father. In fact, there are some Christian communities and traditions that don't even refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. They just refer to it as the Our Father. This is a very important point for us to understand about all Christian prayer. We can only pray to God as Father because Jesus invites us to come alongside him and pray with him. This is where the hour comes from. That Jesus invites us to come in and then we can pray, our Father. I mean, the trouble comes, some people think that this means, since God is a Father, that God must be male. But you should know that since God is Spirit, God is beyond all gender. And it's simply that Jesus invites us to use the same language that he uses in praying. That's why we pray our Father. Now, we should be sensitive to this objection, I think. As some of you know, in my third year at seminary, I served as an intern at the Princeton University Aquinas Institute, which is the Roman Catholic student group there on campus. And I was asked to teach the catechism, Bible studies, and I preached occasionally. And inevitably, every so often, a student would raise their hand and say, wait, I thought you were Presbyterian. And I'd be like, I am. And contrary to public opinion, we do agree on a lot. (laughs) And I learned a lot from the priest, Father Tom, who was my mentor that year. I learned a lot especially about praying. And when it came to praying the Our Father, he had some advice for me. He said, Jeff, you're going to find that a lot of students have difficulty, have trouble praying the Our Father. Even saying God is Father. He told me one story about a female student who had undergone horrible relationship with, an abusive relationship with her father. And so that any time she tried to use the word Father, all these bad memories, these emotions came back. She really struggled with it. I said, what did you tell her? He said, well, first I told her that it was so tragic that she had had this horrible relationship with her father. But I reminded her that God is spirit, and therefore God is beyond gender. So it's not like God is a man. And then he said, God also, you should remember, shows us what true fatherhood is like. All Human fathers fall short at some point. But God shows us what a true, loving father looks like. And that's why we can pray our father. I found that really helpful because Jesus invites us to come alongside him and use this language to pray. There's this small, lovely book by the theologian Robert Jensen. It's full of conversations he had with his eight-year-old granddaughter, Solveig. It's called Conversations with Poppy about God. And it's great because he tries, this sophisticated theologian, to communicate in the language that makes sense for an eight-year-old. 
So I am the target audience. And at one point he asks her, he says, Solveig, do you know why we pray our Father who art in heaven? And she said, no, Poppy, I don't. And he says, it's because Jesus invites us to pray. Jesus says, God is my Father and I am his Son. And I'm going to let you, and I love this phrase, I'm going to let you piggyback on my prayer. God, the Father, and now you can call God the Father too because of me. Jesus invites us to let our prayers piggyback his prayer. I love that image. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. Because our prayers piggyback Christ's prayer. I love that. The second question is, what should we pray for? For those of us who pray it every Sunday, we can forget the sophistication and the profundity of the Lord's Prayer. We are called to pray for first for God's will to be done. It reads, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I'm reminded of this great scene in the movie Rudy where the undersized Rudy is this aspiring football player that wants to make the Notre Dame football team. And in this scene, he's talking with the former president of Notre Dame, priest John Cavanaugh. And Rudy's complaining that all his efforts have come to naught, that soon his dream of playing for the Notre Dame football team will be over. He says, can you help me, Father Cavanaugh? Have I done everything I possibly can, can you help? And Father Kavanaugh has this great response. He says, son, in 35 years of religious studies, I've come up with only two hard and incontrovertible facts. There is a God, and I'm not him. You see, if we believe there is a good and loving God who has all the facts, and we are not good, and we are not God, don't you think it would be a good idea to defer to God's will and not our own? The Lord's Prayer reminds us to defer to God's will, thy will be done, and not our own. Okay, it's, so we're praying about big, like, theological realities. What about the small things, the mundane details of life? Can we pray about those? The prayer continues, give us this day our daily bread. We are invited to ask God to take care of our basic needs, our, our basic necessities, our daily bread. Notice, we're, we're not called to, to pray for storehouses of bread or Elon's bakery bread. We're called to pray for daily bread. I think there are a couple reasons for this. First, if we try to pray too far for our needs into the future, it becomes a source of anxiety. In fact, a few verses before Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, listen to what he says. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. We're called to to pray for today's daily bread and let tomorrow take care of itself. Worrying about the future too much takes our attention away from what needs to be done today. And the second reason, by asking for daily bread, we avoid hoarding all the bread for ourselves. And it frees us up to answer somebody else's prayer for daily bread and to meet their need. Our, pray for our daily bread. And in doing that, we become concerned about other people's daily bread. How can we take care of their needs? And the prayer frees us up from greed to generosity. See, the Lord's Prayer focuses in us in both on God's will and our daily needs. And then it moves to a section where the Lord's Prayer forces us to come to terms with our complicity in the evil of the world. We are called to pray and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Many translations here have trespasses. Some translations translate this, sins. I've always preferred debts because I think there's this economic background and understanding to this concept of forgive us our debts. If you owe me something, some amount of money, and I say, don't worry, don't worry about paying me back, it's all good, you feel forgiven. It's all good, the slate's been wiped clean. This concept of forgiveness goes back to the Old Testament. In the deep cut of Leviticus, in Leviticus 25, it talks about, it calls the Israelites as part of the law to celebrate what they called the year of Jubilee. They were to celebrate this every 49 years. And the year of Jubilee, you you did this. All the original landowners got their land back. Whether they had sold it, whether they had traded it, whether it had been uh, stolen, whatever happened, everyone during the year of Jubilee got their original land back. Also during the year of Jubilee, if you were a slave, you were set free. If you'd sold yourself into captivity, which you could do at the time, you were freed. Everyone was free. The year of Jubilee was meant as a year of forgiveness. It was a command to celebrate it every 49 years. And yet commentators say there is no evidence that the people of Israel ever celebrated it. And then Jesus comes along. And it's like he's saying, now is the time For the year of Jubilee, now is the time of forgiveness. We ask God to forgive our debts. And then notice what the second part says. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus almost assumes that once we are forgiven, there's nothing we can do to hold it back. Once we've experienced God's grace, God's forgiveness, we want to forgive and show grace to others. Our debts have been forgiven, so now go and forgive others. And the last question that we have to ask about prayer is, does prayer change anything? 
Does prayer change anything? Jesus brings up a related point in verse 8, right before he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Listen to this. Jesus says, Do not be like them. He's referring to the Gentiles here. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. First, this is why you don't need to go on and on in your prayers, he's saying. Jesus knows what you're going to ask for. You don't need to pray endlessly on and on. God already knows what you're going to ask. You should take the advice of the Reformation pastor and theologian Martin Luther who said, may your prayers be short, earnest, and urgent. Ricky, Bobby, with all that food at Grace at dinner with his hungry family, wrap it up, buddy. We don't need to go on and on. God knows what God's going to do. We don't need to have lengthy prayers. But I know what some of you are thinking right now. This gets to a tricky theological problem. Wait. If God knows what I'm going to ask for, ask for before I ask, then why pray at all? Does it make a difference? This is a great question. In fact, early on in the Christian church after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, people began to ask this question. And one of the best answers to it came in the third century from a guy named Origen. Origen was a pastor, theologian, lived in Alexandria and Caesarea. He was no armchair theologian. He had skin in the game, eventually died from injuries he had sustained from being tortured for his faith. I say that so you don't think he was off in his ivory tower. He had skin in the game. And Origen asked the question, if God already knows what God is going to do, why then does Jesus call us to pray? He answers it in this way. You should pray because God has decided to use some of your prayers as a cause to answering the prayer. Do you get that? Let me say it again. You should pray because God has decided to use some of your prayers as a cause, as one of the causes to answering the prayer. Now some of you philosophers are out there saying, well that's a circular argument. Yes, it's called a virtuous circle. It's a theological and philosophical explanation about why we should pray. If God has chosen to use some of my prayers as one of the causes to answering the prayer, what does it force me to do? To get on my knees and pray. I don't know which ones God is going to answer, yet I am called to pray. You see, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on to give the Lord's Prayer. He does not say, your father knows what you need before you ask him, so don't worry about praying. No, we are invited to participate in what God is doing in the world through prayer. God wants to use your prayer, my prayer, to make a difference in the world. And the Lord's Prayer gets us started in prayer. It's the great Swiss theologian Karl Barth once said, to clasp one's hand in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of 
the world. And so what should we do? We should get busy praying. There's no better place that leads us into prayer than the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great, marvelous prayer you've given us to get us started in prayer. Lord, let us make use of it as we pray for the needs and the cares of our hearts and our world. Lord, that we might participate in what you are doing in it, that you might make a difference, and that we might be partnering with you in that difference. Lord, we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.